0: back to A Shared Word. Sandy, how you doing? I'm great. Okay, so this is our eighth and final episode for this first season as we've been exploring the wisdom sayings and Proverbs, and I'm sorry to see this go. This has been great.
1: I've enjoyed it very much, and I think it was a good place for us to begin this dialogue. Yeah, hopefully we'll be
0: wise going forward. <laughs> and discerning. <laughs> and discerning what to do, what not to do. Right. So on this last episode, we have decided to talk about I think probably the reason why many of us turn to proverbs and wisdom sayings is we we're in a bind. We're trying to figure out what to do, what to think, uh, how to move forward, and and so we we go to the proverbs looking to find a way to discern what is right. And so, of course, let's finish with this topic. So we're looking at the wisdom sayings on judgment and discernment. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about, and we almost feel a sense of burden to. Uh, Recapture uh, the true meaning is around this word judgment. I think that's a really powerful thing because you know in modern day we have moved away from this idea that to judge is a good thing. You know, like what you, you could you could talk down to someone by calling them judgmental. Why are you being so judgmental? But what we find here is that God wants us to be wise judges. We to be to judge in a in a wise way. And you and I have talked about that. Why is that important to you?
2: Well,
1: I think uh, what, is, what are we looking for uh, this wisdom to do? Uh,
2: why do we want to know what God is advising us or leading us to think? Because we want to apply it in our lives. But in order to impl- apply it in our lives, we have to make a judgment. Yeah. Is this good for me or is this bad for me? Uh, now, that is clearly the case for a judge in a courtroom. We expect that person to operate judiciously. But if I'm making a a decision about how to live or if I'm making a decision about what's right and wrong in my society or I'm going to take a position on a current issue Mm-hmm. I need to show good judgment. That's one of the things that this discernment leads to is good judgment. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it. I've enjoyed our conversation very much about the concern about judgment. Some people understand, for example, I think misunderstand Jesus when Jesus says, you know, judge ye not lest ye be judged. Uh, and then, of course, Jesus says that in the context of a lot of judging. Yeah. Um, I tend to think, and I want to get your opinion about this, that he's really talking to us more about how we judge, and mm-hmm. that we not judge hypocritically, that we mm-hmm. not judge cruelly, mm-hmm. that we not judge uh, in ways that are not accurate or productive, lest people judge us in yeah. those inferior ways. What do you? That's it's important for us to get past that because if we if we're going to live in a culture or a society
1: in which we really don't believe in judgment, hmm. uh, we. Uh, that's its own issue, right? Yeah,
0: no, that's actually a really dangerous thing. So it, that actually comes from Matthew uh, chapter 7. And Jesus said these words, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with that measure you use, it will be measured to you. So of course people go, oh, I'm out of that business because I don't want to be judged by that. But um, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. We, want to ju- we do want to judge wisely by the same measure in which our lives are going to be judged. Uh, for me, what the difference is, there's a difference, difference between condemning people versus judging people, or condemning situations versus judging situations. So in that same passage, it goes on to say this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So he's saying, all right. You're judging your brother for having a speck, but you have a plank in your eye. But he goes on to say this. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck of, speck out of your eye, when at the same time you have a plank in your own, your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take out the plank of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, what's really, really important about understanding this is the goal is to be honest with oneself. So that you can still take the speck out of the brother's eye. Like there's still a problem. The problem is that your brother is afflicted by the speck in his eye. And so what Jesus is saying is not like, oh, it's none of your business what's going on in someone else's eye. No, what he's saying is you first need to consider your own life, your own issues, your own brokenness. And take that to me so that you will then be free to relieve the burdens from other people. So there's still judgment in that situation, but it's not condemnation. Exactly,
1: and there's judgment in every one of these verses in that chapter in Matthew and beyond. There's
2: judgment, but it's healthy judgment. It's loving judgment. It's accurate, yeah. honest judgment. It's res- know,
1: restoration it's, and it's respectful like, yeah. judgment.
2: You know, of self, love your neighbors yourself. It is. It is. Uh, your neighbor may be deserving of reproof. Yeah, uh, and the Bible, I think it's both in the Hebrew and the New Testament. Uh, says that reproof is a part of what we should do in life, yeah. but we should engage in it lovingly and honestly, and not hypocritically. You know, this this advice, this direction Jesus gives us in that verse is crucial, and I think incredibly relevant to what we're going to talk about today. As we think, and it's very current, people are talking about uh, political issues today mm-hmm. uh, that are very important to our society. How often is it in these debates do we find people Going after the spec in yeah, the other side's yeah, eye, because yeah. you're we 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 will jump into these discussions. We may talk about some of them, such as immigration policy, where. One side thinks the other side is wrong. It's just that's all there is to it. I'm right. You're wrong. And we never look at ourselves, the log in our own eye, if you will. But the other side is wrong, and I'm here to say it to you, and I'm going to post it on Facebook, and I'm going to get in your face, and I'm going to tell you how immoral, how unethical, how unloving you are. And I think Jesus' admonition here is so timely. Yeah and relevant and powerful yes we want to have this discussion because we want to get it to where both eyes are clear yeah mine and yours yeah everybody the everybody yeah. has a clear eye see. but let's right. begin yeah.
1: with uh,
2: ourselves
1: yeah that's such an important part of it yeah
0: I think a psychologist and Jesus is dipping into this wisdom is it's so much easier to project the issue on the other person than to deal with yourself right
1: And, you know, we get to one of our first pieces of wisdom
2: today uh, related to uh, a discernment. And it's interesting. We have thought about this before, the whole idea of appreciating, honoring, looking for the golden mean. Yeah. You know, and we see this. uh, Thomas Aquinas did it. uh, St. Augustine did it, uh, believed in this. Of course, uh, Aristotle was a big believer in the golden mean, as was Maimonides. And here we see it in Hebrew
1: wisdom sayings.
2: And I guess what is, the,
0: what is the golden mean well, for the
1: people? Well, my... the golden mean is sort
0: of the idea. I'm not me. I'm just saying other people. Yeah, no, no, no. Of no, course, yeah. I know. <laughs>
1: exactly. But go ahead and are it We're yeah. experts in it. I have,
0: a, I have a gigantic plank in my eye right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me try to
1: take it out while I deal with the, the speck as well.
2: No, I mean, the idea here is that there's some wisdom uh, to be found in the middle path, in mm. the middle path, so that if we look at life, for example, let me illustrate it. That may be the best way to do it. Um, if we look at the issue of the way we uh, treat res- our resources, uh, I am parsimonious. I don't want to spend anything. I don't. I just keep all of my resources to myself. That's one extreme. Um, I'm just, you know, uh, selfish and uh, or greedy or uh, uh, sort of hogging something, not wanting to, to spend or give or whatever else that's one extreme. There's another extreme of profligacy, uh, wastefulness. Uh, I don't care about resources. Uh, comes in, goes out, spend, spend, spend. That's sort of another extreme on a spectrum. And the golden mean thinking sort of says that if you were to look in the middle, you would find kind of the right place to be. And the right place to be is careful about your resources but generous mm-hmm. uh, and an intelligent use of your own resources, mm-hmm. understanding that you're not to just keep it all for yourself or be negligent about it, somewhere in the middle. And if you fa- if you were to find most things in life, uh, courage uh, is in the middle of recklessness uh, and total fear, for example. So we want to be... Active and courageous. These are some examples. I think one of the things I like about the golden mean is that the idea, the implicit idea, is that uh, if we can find the golden mean, therein lies a discerning judgment to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also pushes us into the middle of ways of being and into the middle with each other. Yeah. So as if to say. I'm not so inclined to be on the extreme. I'm my inclination is to look in the middle, to try to go into the middle, to try to find a solution in the middle, which I think is a habit that would be very useful. Yeah,
0: so it's like the long lost virtue of temperance. I think, so. I think yeah. so. And and we live in in a in a binary polar polarizing world. Right. And I wonder if there's wisdom in finding the middle way. So, is there an example of the golden mean as we find in wisdom scripture?
1: Well, there are a number of them. Uh, we've talked about a few that are actually used by Maimonides.
2: One is the idea, let's just bring this one up of Ra- Rav Abba. One of them is this idea of uh, should we uh, sacri- be so self-sacrificing uh, that we deny ourselves, th- mm-hmm. d- deny ourselves things? Uh, And that's a virtue we think. You know, Mm -hmm. we ought to be for self denial. We ought to be for other people. Uh, We ought to be self sacrificing. And and to an extent, that is true. What Rav Abba says is that you will be called to account one day as you reach the pearly gates. You will be called to account not only for not helping others, but for depriving yourself. Uh, That you are the world offers good things Mm. and without being extravagant in it, that would be an extreme, uh, you should take part. God gives us blessings. God gives us such lovely things in the world, and we're to uh, to make use of them and not Mm -hmm. see it as a virtue to deprive ourselves Mm -hmm. of all the good things which the world offers. And I think in his teaching, we see another application of the golden mean. Try to find that place in the middle where you love yourself. Yeah. But don't love yourself so much that you don't love others. Yeah, uh, it's yes. an application. Yeah, yes,
0: yeah. so I, I see that. Yeah, so <laughs> there are some people who believe uh, to be deeply spiritual beings. You have to be removed from this world, right? And we find that especially in Eastern religions, uh, it's about uh, you know denying oneself. But there's there's a there's a sense of godly delight that we should have of people. You know, and Jesus said in John 10, ten, "I've come so that you might have life to the fullest." that uh, what if what if indeed we're supposed to delight, have a godly delight, which is responded by gratitude, which is so important, I think, for a wise living, is this spirit and this presence of gratitude, not only delighting in things, but knowing that it's actually a gift from God.
2: Right. I think one's on safe ground uh, if one wants to be discerning and making good judgments by placing oneself in the middle. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we look at this next one, I want to ask you about the next one. I think the next one also talks about how important it is uh, to not place oneself off to the extreme or in a place where one's at danger uh, because of uh, being uh, isolated uh, in terms of particularly where one can have bad influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, here's this idea of Rabbi Shimon Ben-Lakish he says, do not live in the neighborhood of an ignorant man who is pious. <laughs> do not live in the neighborhood of an ignorant man who is pious. Uh-huh. Um, now.
0: That's a great, that's a great. How, how does that
2: inform the topic of the day in your mind?
0: <laughs> so I think it'd be wise to, to uh, redefine or define uh, the idea of ignorance and piety. Right. Because yep. both of those things, I think, uh, help inform this wisdom saying. For me, ignorance is not merely stupidity, because there might be a lot of people who are incredibly sharp, but still are ignorant. and There also might be a lot of people who are, in, world, in worldly terms, or who are not educated, but they're deep souls. They're really wise. And so for me, ignorance is, is akin to a lack of self-awareness. So when someone's ignorant, they're actually uh, they're not able to see and understand themselves fully. So oftentimes ignorance will will lend itself towards uh, bitterness or hatred or you know racism of some type. But what they are not able to see is themselves in the in the story themselves uh, being similar to. And so in, for, in that way, for me, that makes me think of ignorance and piety. Yeah, we don't use the word piety all that much, mm-hmm. but for me, it makes me think of a religious life. Uh, it's a life of devotion, and so when people are exercising their religious life without self-awareness their piety with ignorance this wisdom saying is almost saying be careful don't don't be living don't live in that neighborhood don't uh, don't get sucked into that life that their influence there's something really toxic there
1: I think you're right I mean let me add to that the idea I think that there's almost sort of a notion
2: of an unhealthy self-righteousness mm-hmm. in the piety yeah uh, that is, that is to say the person's very sure of himself yeah and very sure of his rightness, yeah. uh, though he's ignorant. And yeah. the ignorance, I think you're right, takes the form of not understanding who he is or what role he plays or his position in yeah. the community. I think it may also mean, as we were talking about at the beginning of our discussion today, uh, not being aware of God's word or the richness of God's word yeah. or the, the the balance in God's word, looking for all of God's word. It's almost as if to say, I found that part of God's word that I want to believe that supports my position, and I'm going to be really self-righteous about it. This this wisdom saying is saying that's dangerous. It's dangerous to be near that because if you become like that, it's not only dangerous for him, it's dangerous for you. Or if you get into the mode of fighting it all the time Mm -hmm. to where you and this neighbor are at war with each other Mm -hmm. all the time how counterproductive that is for you. It's quite, a, I think, a very important discussion. And again, another piece of wisdom that I think is very relevant to everybody who is, uh, to us and to everybody who's listening, who may have been on Facebook recently or uh, watching the cable news uh, with or without neighbors and understanding how uh, dangerous it is to be in the neighborhood of an ignorant man who is self-righteous. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think a lot think? of us have concerns about this world. A lot of us have concerns about tomorrow. I, I appreciate the very simple, simple wisdom of Ben Sirah. Is that mm-hmm. uh, That's who it. this uh, mm-hmm. individual is? Who simply said, do not worry about tomorrow's trouble. That's it. That's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Uh, why does that strike you as
1: something profound? As much work as we were talking about
2: God expecting of us, to deal with today's problems yeah that to be diverted by some thought about tomorrow's problems uh, at the very least takes you away takes away your energy and spirit from the work you have to do today mm-hmm. i mean don't you think we should start there
0: yeah for sure yeah maybe this we i need to start another podcast that, that talks about the redneck wisdoms that i've heard you know there's the saying of don't uh, cry over spilled milk. there's also don't fret over milk that hasn't been spilled yet, you know, it's, uh, but in a deep... on the theory let's let's carry yeah, that out. Yeah. I love
2: that piece of redneck wisdom on the theory that it may never
0: be spilled exactly right, yeah, yeah,, yeah. Uh,
2: but if we're planning to deal with the spilt milk tomorrow, <laughs> uh, we may not even face the problem, yeah. right, is not yeah, that one of the other right. reasons for yeah. not focusing on quote-unquote, tomorrow's problems. We don't know exactly what they'll be. And to the extent that we have a sense of what they might be, we don't really know when or to what extent or in what form we'll face it. We don't know the kind of things it'll take to face them uh, dutifully
0: and smartly, right? So there's a, if you don't mind, there's a great uh, saying of Jesus. Uh, He spoke about this very similar thing of what we have control over and what we don't have control over, because that's part of it. You know, we, we have, how much control do we have over tomorrow? Very little. Uh, this is what Jesus said. He said, "Therefore, I do not tell you. I, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food? Isn't the body more than clothes?" Then he turns the attention out out of self into the world. Look at the birds of the air; they don't sow or reap or store in barns, but their father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What a great say! But then he goes on to say this. Because it seems like the world's chasing that. But he, he said, rather than just let go of those concerns, he said, you can do something and seek first his kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love the fact that Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, it's echoing this grand wisdom saying, But it's saying, how about instead of your gaze being on tomorrow, how about be present? Yeah. How about be present?
1: Well, you know, and again, it echoes. I love the way the Hebrew Bible
2: and Jesus and the New Testament. And that's, I think, one thing we're finding. And I love that as part of our dialogue. How powerfully and richly they echo each other. You know, if you want to be worried about something, be worried about righteousness, he Mm. said in the world Mm -hmm. that's something you can worry about yeah and remember when we go back to proverbs what is all this wisdom for
1: Mm.
2: it's that we create righteousness and justice and mercy and compassion in our world yeah we should be that's what we're worried about yeah having wisdom for is to be able to get to those things i think that uh, uh jesus's wisdom in that comment is it's just kind of Rolling all
1: over me in terms of its many dimensions and its beauty. Yeah, because part of it
0: is we need to be mindful of the places that cause us anxiety and worry about the things that could be. Turn off. Turn off the volume and start looking around the world where you are right now. What can you do? What is the small thing that you can do right now to make this world a better place? As to what's really important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because we can do that. We have that
1: agency. Right, right. You know, we wrap this
2: up now. Uh, yeah. I think this is a good place to do it. We get to reflect back on all
1: these uh, podcasts and this wisdom we've shared with each other about wisdom.
0: What's your big takeaway, Mark? Well, I mean, personally, I, I love the conversation of Pentecost and Shavuot. That was wonderful just because you taught me so many wonderful things. Uh, the, the, the big takeaway that I have from these eight conversations is the picture of lady wisdom. Mm-hmm. I love that. The mm-hmm. two the two images that we have of these two women, Lady Wisdom and the Woman of Valor, I will always keep with me. So thank you for that gift. And for me what I mean by that is this notion that Lady Wisdom is calling out in simple and subtle ways for those who have ears to hear. Hey, wisdom is wisdom can be yours. And so I want want my hand to be raised. Hey, I went in on that. I I need wisdom today.
1: Well, and let me just carry on with your thought, carrying that on to the Woman of Valor,
2: Hmm. because I love the whole trajectory. What a wonderful idea it was to see that this book is bookended by Lady Wisdom, as you said, on the front end, and then the Woman of Valor on the back end. And just as I totally agree with you about lady wisdom's call at the beginning it was so sweet for me to see the poetry of how the woman of valor lived her life yeah in real practical terms what she did with her arms what she did with her hands that she built things that she created things that she shared things with others reached out her hand to her family and those in need and shared the product of her wisdom and her creativity and saw that as a part of what life involves. She is an example for us in in real flesh, in human flesh, of where this wisdom can go and how we can live as God wants us to. Mm-hmm. And it's always nice to see a fellow human being described because we can be like the woman of valor yeah. in our lives. And I hope very much that we've been uh, Ideal enough to show some big time principles uh, that go way back, but that we've been uh, realistic enough and descriptive enough,
1: real world enough to share with each other and those who've listened to us uh,
0: how this can apply in our lives. Yes. Sandy, thank you for this. This has been a real gift. I hope it's been a gift for you too. We're coming back next season. Do we want to talk about it? Do we want to share what we're going to
1: come back with? Well, I think it has something to do. With a king. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think he was a big-time king. (laughs) Uh, He was featured in one of the major books of the Bible. Uh, He uh, is thought to have written the Psalms. Yes. We're giving people clues. Yes. Uh, And I understand that both of our traditions think... that he he may have been the ancestor of the Messiah. Yes. So are we giving people appropriate clues? I think so. Or do you think we ought to just flat out say, it's going to be about King David? King
0: David, yeah. (laughs) We're going to do a study on the life of King David. We think there's so much good stuff there. Timely lessons for us, as well as a depiction of how God can really meet us in our humanity to make a huge difference for the world. So I'm so excited about that, Sandy. Next season. Next season. Till then, have a great time. Bye-bye.